It is so fun to say, I know a best-selling author, and she is this week's guest on Two Kids in a Career. I am talking about Judy Haller. Get ready to be inspired. Get ready to say yes like a million times. You're going to love her message about being brave. Blondin Professional Real Estate is a family-owned boutique-style brokerage with over 40 years' experience serving the counties that surround St. Louis. See how their approach to real estate will help you by visiting BlondinRealEstate.com. What happens when you put a career-focused woman with two kids trying to balance home and work life in a room with a microphone? Lots of laughter, tears, and great advice. I'm Jill Devine, and welcome to Two Kids and a Career. Oh, man, I've been waiting for this to happen. I am going to warn you, you're probably going to laugh a lot while listening to this episode, and you're probably going to be going, hell yes, because I have Judy Holler with me. Judy, oh my God, hi. Oh my God, Jill, hi. I'm so excited to be with you, and I love hearing your energy on the other side of the mic. I think we all need a little bit of that right now, so I'm excited to, to be on the mic with you. Okay, we will talk about how we know each other, but first, I <laughs> literally laughed out loud when I was listening to your podcast and your intro. Describe what you would be, or what do you say you are if you, if so and so and so and so got married and had a baby? <laughs> yeah. So basically, the best way to sum me up is if, like, Amy Poehler and Dr. Dre had a baby, I would be their love child. I think I've kind of got a little bit of both. Um, but for sure, I, I, you know, when I, you know, it's like I have this like love of comedy and I don't take myself too seriously. And I'm an alum of Second City's Conservatory and improv is a big part of my life. But oh my gosh, I grew up in the 90s and I love all things hip hop music. And I want that. I own it. I am not afraid to admit it. Like 1990s hip hop is my life. And so I think that's like the best way to kind of like help people understand what they're going to get when they're dealing with me. <laughs> All right. Well, for me, it made me laugh out loud. I do know you. We go back to college. I'm a little foggy, though, on some of this because you ended up going to two colleges, correct? Lindenwood and what's now Missouri State, but it used to be Southwest Missouri State. But I, I'm trying to figure it out. When did... When did it all happen? When did we <laughs> intersect? Yeah, totally. So we probably intersected in like 2000 um, time, time frame. So I uh, was at Missouri State from like 94. No, that can't be right. So we might have intersected in like 99. Yep, that I, sounds right. Yep. I was in Missouri State uh, for, a, I was on, I paid for my own college. So I was like on that six year plan. And so when I, so I, I all my friends were leaving. Um, and it just took me a little bit longer. So everybody was leaving Missouri State. And so instead of staying there, I ended up coming back home to go to school. It was more affordable for me. But also, um, I was starting to get a little bit more into my major, which at that time was radio television. Like, you know, I wanted to do like the um, be like the Katie Couric or like yep. Howard Stern, one of the two. And so that's where we overlapped. So I was like undergrad at Missouri State, kind of got into my major a little bit at Missouri State, but ended up coming home because of financial reasons and uh, ended up going to Lindenwood, living at home and graduating from there. And I believe I graduated right around uh, 2001, right before uh, 9-11 hit. So that's yeah. when we crossed paths between like 98 and 2000. 
So I'm going to go straight to your book. For those that don't know, and I have mentioned this book quite a few times on my podcast, but Judy has a book called Fear is My Homeboy. And right on the front, how to slay doubt, doubt, boss up and succeed on your own terms. And may I add that it is hot pink. (laughs) So I got this book and I started reading it and I started highlighting it. And that's one of the things that you said in the beginning thing is like, get your highlighter out. And I took notes and started just loving this book. And one of the first things you talk about is how if you don't love yourself and talk to yourself the way that you would want others to talk, it's not going to work. And so one thing I wrote down, and I've asked this of some other people that have gone through this transformation of positivity is, and I'll see what your answer is, and I'll tell you what they said. They, I wrote down, how long does this type of thinking take? You obviously don't wake up overnight and suddenly change. And I, and I just kept thinking about that when I was reading your book, like, holy hell, like how how does the evolution happen? Uh, The evolution towards loving yourself is an absolute journey. It is an evolution. And I believe uh, that it involves a series of Jedi mind tricks to prime (laughs) the love yourself muscle. And I feel courage is just the same. Courage and bravery is a muscle. Loving yourself and self-confidence is a muscle. And oh, by the way, self-confidence is really just knowing that you are going to figure it out, that no matter what happens to you, you will figure it out. And this infuses confidence into our bones. And Jill, I just think, you know, the way I grew up and maybe it's just the environment I was kind of dealt growing up, having to like make it on my own and paying for everything and growing up low to middle class and struggling most of my life, I've always known that I was going to figure it out, which gave me confidence. And that walked me into the front door of really um, all of these other personal development journeys that I've since gone on. And loving yourself is one of them. And the way we get better, the way we get stronger is by running reps and doing a lot of um, things on the regular, habits, rituals, whatever, to prime that love muscle, right? It's like, if you want to have a different life, a different business, a different marriage, a different relationship with your kids than everybody else, you have to be willing to do things different than everybody else. And I knew from a young age that I was going to have to do things different. And it and it kind of goes back to like you even peel back the layers. Like the reason I became so obsessed with loving myself first and why I had to start there in the book is I kind of grew up in an environment where I didn't see that every day. Like even to this day, I don't have a relationship with my mom. And so I wasn't getting that from my mom. And so I had to figure early on how to be my own cheerleader and how to keep myself lifted. And that has just kind of become a heartbeat of my life. And like, even though I've become in my group of friends, I've just become this kind of person that, you know, it's like my medicine. It's how I stay mentally lifted. It's how I stay in forward momentum, but it's a muscle. And I run those reps and some days it's hard and some days I'm not great at it. And some days I get depressed, but most days I make the decision to do the uncomfortable work required in order to stay in forward momentum. And a big part of doing that is loving yourself because none of it works if you if you don't, right? Right. And, and that's the whole thing is just I'm trying to train my body or my mind into loving myself, like accepting everything. Because I, I often say 
I think I probably mentioned this in every episode and the the loyal listeners are like, Jill, we get it. But I always say, I don't want to teach my girls. I don't want them to have low self-esteem. I don't want them to go through some of the things that I went through and continue to go through. And that's where I'm just trying to practice and, and reach out to people like you who are putting it together. And when I had first asked you that question, other people that are, have done something similar, I said, well, you know, how long? And they said, it just happens. It doesn't happen overnight. And you just feel the switch. And that's, did you, is that how it worked for you? Like, did you just like feel this just complete shift to how I feel? Yes. And here's two things that'll help you, especially as you think about being a mama to girls and you have some moms that listen in, you know, and whether you're a mom of young girls or young boys or anybody else, it doesn't matter. We're watching you. And here's two things to consider. Number one, your confidence and your courage and your self-love is so contagious. So you have this, because when I watch you be brave, when I watch you love yourself, when I watch you be self-confident and promote your business and promote what you're doing or whatever that may be, it gives me the permission to do more of that for myself. So I, yes, yes, I had a lot of that in my life. So you have this opportunity in front of you, you, the listener, you have, you, Jill, you, Judy, me, I'm talking to myself. We have this opportunity in front of us every day to be a fear role model. And in that, it means that we're watching you. And when we see you be brave, when we see you love yourself, when we we see you do all these things that most people are uncomfortable to do, it's uncomfortable to take a selfie and post it online. It's uncomfortable to write your business and talk about your book. But if you want to earn a comfortable life. If you want to have things different than other people, you have to be willing to do different things and loving yourself and being confident and being brave enough to put yourself out there is contagious. Just like fear is, so is that beautiful, juicy, good stuff. And so your girls are going to get their self-confidence because you're their role model. So they're watching you. And Jill, when you go be brave, when you get on the radio and become a podcaster and write your book or whatever it is that you want to do for yourself, you're teaching your girls that it's okay to do that. And when they're following girls like Taylor Swift and all these positive role models online that are out there showing that it's okay to love yourself in beautiful, healthy, positive ways, it teaches these girls that they can do it too. I was not expecting to have tears in my eyes, only from laughter, (laughs) because you're right. Like, I see people like you and other amazing women who are doing their thing and putting their self out there. And it does, it is, it's crazy when you were saying that it does spark that in me where I'm like, yes, I can do this. And then I start to, in this new journey that I'm in with creating this new business and relaunching this podcast, there's been a lot of times in strategizing with, uh, people that I'm working with that I've said, I can't put myself out there. People don't want this from me. And they're like, Mm -hmm. what are you talking about? And that's all about what you preach is being brave. I I didn't even tell the listener yet that you have made some very big, brave decisions. Uh, It started with moving from St. Louis to Chicago all by yourself. And it has led from you leaving your corporate job to what you're doing now. So let's talk about that. One of the big ideas behind the work on fear that I'm doing right now is this idea on becoming like a fear scientist and experimenting with your fear every day on purpose. Because like I said, I believe your courage is a muscle and bravery is a muscle. So if we want to go to Fear Boss Fit, 
fitness in our community, uh, we call ourselves fear bosses. And so this just means that we're the boss, not our fear. It means that we don't want to be fearless because fearless isn't even a thing, right? And so I think we have to pause here for a minute and have a, a quick rant on the word fearless. And I think this is why a lot of us get really confused. And this all leads back to the fear experiment of moving to Chicago and Second City and leaving toxic relationships and all these fear experiments in my life that have led me to where I am today. But it began by understanding that I really didn't need to be fearless. And if you really think about it, this is why we're confused. I think we're chasing this unrealistic notion of fearless. The world is telling our girls, the women in our society, and just people in general that we need to go be fearless. And there's fearless tattoos and jewelry and bumper stickers, all this stuff. And I hate that word because here's why. If you were really fearless, you would do all kinds of crazy stuff. Okay. You would never pay your taxes. You would, you would never go to a doctor. You would go fly on a plane in the middle of COVID. You would do all kinds of really horrible stuff because you didn't have a fear meter, right? So we, we don't want to be, we don't want to be fearless. And Elizabeth Gilbert in her book, Big Magic, wrote this about fearless. Have you read that book? It's on my list because of you. Oh, yes. <laughs> it is such a good book. And in it, she wrote this. She said, listen, the only fearless people I know are five-year-olds and sociopaths. <laughs> I laughed out loud reading it because I was like, yes. Yep. I, I think it also empowered me because I'm like, wait, I don't need to be fearless. What I need to do, and this is what I teach in my keynotes and in my book and in, in, in anytime folks work with me, this is the big idea. We don't need to be fearless. We need to. What we're trying to do and the goal is to figure out how to fear our fear just a little bit less. And that's what makes you brave. So it comes back to this idea of experimenting with our fear every day on purpose and kind of becoming little fear scientists. And so I I, I, I was researching my, for my book and, and just sort of in general collecting stories. And I realized that, oh my God, I have been kind of experimenting with my fear for the last 15 years. And I didn't even realize what I was doing, but I was putting myself into uncomfortable situations on purpose. And what was happening is that I was priming my brave muscle. I was getting braver and bolder. And I was literally in the fear boss gym, right? Picking up those weights of discomfort, which allowed me to get more comfortable being uncomfortable. So yes, moving to Chicago, knowing no one, driving my own U-Haul, getting dumped. The reason I moved to Chicago is because I was dumped by a guy I had just left St. Louis for six months in, you know, but I didn't run back to St. Louis where it was safe. I went to Chicago. I leveled up. I met, met a new group of friends. I became president of an association. I uh, got a promotion in the meetings industry. I took improv. I, you know, I did all kinds of, and I started putting the the dots together. And I was like, well, what I was doing was experimenting with my fear. And, and it really removed the pressure and the, the the control and the fear and the anxiety out of anything new I was doing for myself or anything uncomfortable. And it welcomed in more confidence and courage and creativity and play. Because if you are just experimenting with your fear, if you're just experimenting with the podcast or the new business or the post you want to put on Instagram or the thing you want to try with your kids, you can't really F it up because you're just 
experimenting. And so it, it just allowed me to be a little bit more confident and to give myself some grace and say, you know what? If this doesn't work, like I started a podcast, if it doesn't work, it's a fear experiment. Great. I'll stop. I'll pivot. I'll move on. But if we don't have the courage to get it wrong, how will we ever get it right? And I think people stop at that first question. We're too afraid to get it wrong, right? So we have to, you know, this idea of fear experiments and experimenting with our fear, doing little baby uncomfortable things every day to really prime our courage muscle is 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 totally where the magic lives. A couple of things when you were talking about that, when you were saying, oh, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And one of the things that I had talk to the people that I'm working with, they said, we, we are the type of people that we don't want to have regrets. Like if it didn't work out, it didn't work out, but at least we tried it. And then that kind of resonated with me. Like, I know if I didn't try to launch this new endeavor, I would always worry about it in my future. And if it fails, then at least I have some experience, but that kind of goes into the what if syndrome that you talk about in your book, Fear is My Homeboy. Like I highlighted all of that on page 33. Like what if I get fired and currently in that situation? Well, you'll use your badassery to get another job. What if he leaves me? You'll end up with the love that you deserve. Or what if I embarrass myself? What a great story you'll have. Those are the things that we have to start thinking about and and turning the negative into a positive. Yeah. And those are empowering thoughts, not victim-based thoughts, right? You can be a victim yes. or a badass. And I would much prefer to ask myself questions that empower me. And the other thing I think we can do too, a tactical, practical tool, is we can flip the script. I think what our knee-jerk reaction, it goes right into this what-if syndrome reality. We, we love to go, oh my God, what's the worst that can happen? We instantly go to the bad place with what's going on in the world or what's going on in our career or our company or a group of friends or our family or with our health. We think, oh my God, if I try this, here's all the worst stuff that's going to happen. We don't take a minute to think about, well, what's the best that could happen? And what could go right? And I think those are the questions that will empower you. And I have an exercise in my new workbook where I literally am am asking the reader, and I talk about this in Fear is My Homeboy too, but this idea that take the what could go right stuff, sure, get everything that could go wrong out of your head if it's going to help you with anxiety, right? Sure, stuff could go wrong. Who could help you? What's it costing you to not take action? These are all powerful questions to be asking, but where we empower ourselves and where we really step into our power and become kind of the unicorn is when we spend more time looking at a different list, the list of all the things that could go right. And so I challenge like the groups I work with and in different workshops I run, I tell people to get that list on paper. You start a new podcast, a new endeavor, you're um, you know, starting a fitness business, or you just want to you want to become a parent or get married, anything in your life. Yeah, stuff could go wrong, but what could go right? Take that list, copy and paste it, put it everywhere, screen savers, mirrors, car dashboards, so that you are focused every single day on what you're really chasing. And um, you know, this will help us get out of the what if area and into a more empowered state. And I think, again, it goes back to those Jedi mind tricks. Like I'm always looking for tools to keep me out of anxiety and in forward momentum. Okay. So then that, again, in my, in your book, on page 44, just so the listener knows, they can follow wrong. Um, I wrote down 
I do a lot of going to the negative outcome first, mm-hmm. and I do that so I won't be disappointed. Why do yeah, I do uh, that? Well, I, and uh, I do too. I always kind of, even Jody, but you who you know, my best friend and I, we joke about this, like something good will happen and we'll be like, oh my God, it's all going to go. Everybody's going to die. Like, or you know what I mean? Like you get a cough and you're like, well, different now, but like you get a cough or a headache and you think, oh my God, I've got cancer. You know, it's just like we we go to this place. Right. Yeah, and I think that's a natural. So I think there's like a two-prong approach. Have grace, right? But but call it for what it is. Now I know when that shows up, it is a fear-based reaction designed to keep me stuck and to keep me negative, right? And to keep me in a place of, of illness, really. It's that kind of behavior. Behavior that's really going to make you sick, right? And really ruin relationships, et cetera. So I think it's a two-pronged approach. Like I, I do that to myself too, you know, and I'm trying to stay really lifted right now and things are hard, no doubt about it. We're going to have good and bad days. So I give myself yeah. grace, but I know better because I'm the boss. So I don't let it, I don't let it keep me there, right? I really focus on, okay, if I don't make a change, what's it's going to, what is it going to cost me? But boy, if I do this, what could go right? And like you said, the one thing I I am always trying to avoid is regret. And so I always tell people like, you don't need to jump out of a plane or like free solo Mount Everest to be brave. You can do small everyday things and still be brave and, and be working your, your brave muscles. So an example, you know, maybe someone not hitting the snooze button this morning was really brave because of what they have going on in their life. Right. Um, so fear experiments don't need to be really big things. It could be you wearing a different color or reading a book you're not used to, or, you know, um, listening to a new station on Spotify or taking a different drive home from the grocery store, any way you can mix it up. But the moral of the story is, I think we assume that we have to have these big seismic shifts in our life to sort of um, really prove to the world and ourselves that we're brave. But no, you can do really small everyday things to be brave and get yourself out of this cycle of suck that we instantly find ourselves in. Anytime something goes wrong, right? Um, you know, you're normal. I do it too. I just know better. I know it's a way fear shows up to keep me, to keep me stuck. So a couple more things from the book, and then I want you to just tell people how they can get a hold of you and just sure. stay in contact. Um, consistently throughout the book, you talk about you have to be happy. You have to have the joy in order for that to happen. That's going to help with this shift. And you put an exercise in um, on page 51. Oh, yes. Yes, picture list. And basically, you write down um, the things that are are most important to you right now. So I'm writing them down. And then I circled, are you even on your own list? And I was not. And I think that's probably uh, maybe 99% of people probably do that. So this is huge. And I love that you latched onto that. So the idea of the exercise is, yes, I challenge people, and I do this in my live events, where I want you to get a list on paper of the top 10 priorities you've got going on right now. People, places, things, errands, whatever you got going on. Give people about two minutes to do it. They get a list together. And I go, okay, now take that same pen or pencil that you just used to write that list, and I want you to circle where you are on your list. And there's this moment in the room where everybody goes, whoa. And they have this, just like that, that moment where you go. So nine times out of 10, 
most people in the room are not even on their own list. And if they are, they are eighth, ninth, or 10th. So I challenge- Crazy. Yes. So I challenge, and this is why it's a fear experiment. It's uncomfortable. if you, And it feels uncomfortable to put yourself at the top of your list because we feel so guilty, right? And why are we doing this to ourselves? Like, who's the one? Like, we don't need to be a martyr. Because at the end of the day, none of it works if you don't work. And who do you think is going to benefit from you being the best version of yourself? Everybody else on the list mm-hmm. that was ahead of you. So when you love yourself, maybe it's taking walks or hiding in the closet without the kids or just taking a bubble bath uninterrupted or reading 10 pages of a book or going to Target by yourself and wandering through the aisles. You know, I know a lot of people with small kids just, you know, you can't do that right now, but they get out just to get away for a little bit. But we're not taking that time for ourselves because we feel guilty. And I'm trying to remind people that no matter what your circumstances is, is are, what no matter what your circumstance is, is rather, none of it works if you don't. So we have to stop feeling so guilty about putting ourselves into that number one spot in our life. And when you look at it as really medicine and fuel for the quality of your future and the quality of your relationships, you start to empower yourself a little bit and go, no, this isn't me being selfish. And I'm not a bad mom because I want to go take a bath. I'm taking a bath because I'm a good mom. I'm getting on that Peloton bike because I'm a good mom, right? And I love myself because if I love myself and I am the best version of myself, my girls are going to watch that and my girls are going to benefit from that. So you see where I'm going and it's it, yep. it's a it's a date. It's hard. And this is why it's uncomfortable. But the more you do it, right? Run those reps, the better you get. And here's another thing I want to say too. Um, well, I'm going to pause there. I'm going to let you process that and then I'll come back to my second. Okay. Okay. So, well, first of all, my, the Peloton bike, that's on my goal list, girl. I, yeah. <laughs> I want it so bad. It'll happen. I'm putting it out in the universe. I know it you love Peloton. Board. It'll happen. You'll, yep. You'll love it. Uh, so, in season one of this podcast, one of my reoccurring guests, her name is Joy. She's Go Fit Mom. And we talked about this. We talked about uh, your book. And one of the things that she said, and I'm getting her motto wrong, and I can't believe I am, but it's basically, if you love your kids, take care of their mother. Mm. You have to take care of yourself in order to, to take care of your kids. But when we... So that all just hit me when you were talking, but I brought up to her, there's so many different points in this book that I could bring up. But the last point I want to bring up is how you said that basically people are saying they're significant because they're busy. That's not (laughs) true. And it really, and she goes, Oh my gosh, that's so true. I said, I know like that. It hit me when you wrote about that. So that's what I wanted to bring up to, to you. I love it. Okay. And this, I didn't even write about in my book. So I toyed with this idea of like crazy busy, right? And, you know, we wear this crazy busy as like a badge of honor and it's just such horse poop, right? Like it's, it's, it's silly. And here's the idea that I didn't write about in my book that is now um, a part of my work on fear that I'm doing and, and certainly something I say from every keynote stage and it's this. And this is really powerful and really important and it goes right back to what you're saying and the point we just made about loving yourself and taking good care of yourself and not feeling guilty about it. It's this idea. You cannot be exhausted and brave. 
You cannot be overwhelmed and brave. You cannot be crazy, busy, and brave. Here's why. Bravery requires energy and stamina and focus. It requires you to be alive and awake on the front lines of your life. So if you want to live a brave life, if you want to have a life different than other people, if you want to build the marriage and the business, right? And the relationship with your kids of your dreams, you got to be ready for that. You have to, you have to have energy and stamina and the world and our schedule and social media and email is blocking us from that and is destroying distracting us from where our attention really needs to be. Now, disclaimer, this doesn't mean I run a business. This doesn't mean we don't look at our email, right? This doesn't mean we don't respond to people. This doesn't mean that sometimes we're not going to have to meet people in the middle and do things we don't want to do. But it means that most days we are protecting our energy at all costs. And we are we are doing that because we know we can't be exhausted and sick and overwhelmed and crazy busy and brave. And if we really want to be a fear role model. To the people that are watching us, we have to take that so seriously. Amen. Amen. Mic drop. I'm not going to drop this mic because it's expensive. I know we have the same mic, but if I had a drop, I'd drop it on that. Oh, Judy, this is so fantastic. You have uplifted me. I need you to uplift others. First of all, obviously, you know, I've read the book and you know, I love it. You need to go get it. Fear is my homeboy. Judy Holler, go get it wherever you like to get. I mean, this is a perfect time to read it right now. So go get that. Good timing. So if if you, you know, you're listening to a podcast, you probably like consuming con- content audibly. So I recorded it myself and it's on yes! Audible, which is really fun. And what's cool about the Audible is it's different than the book because at the end of every chapter, we recorded like a podcast style Q&A to go really deep on some of the ideas. So you, and we have like, we put like live improv games in. So a lot of people are buying the book because they love to highlight and then they're going to Me. the book for like the, the, the bonus, like party effect of it. But yeah, Jill, thank you. Yeah, it's it's Barnes and Noble, um, you know, across airports nationwide, and just of course in in um, all most bookstores and Amazon, all the things. But yeah, those that that's where you can find the book. Okay, so then tell my listener where else to find you and what else you can do for them. Yeah, sure. So I've got a couple of things. So um, definitely the Instagram, probably my favorite place to hang out at Judy Holler, J U D I Holler, H O L L E R. It's so good. Couldn't resist. Um, <laughs> And then, uh, so Instagram, favorite place to play. And then I have a podcast too, Jill. So as you know, I have a show called the Hashtag Fear Boss Show. And Love it. Um, you can consume more of the content I create that way. And then I did a little freebie for your listeners if they'd like more. And actually, this freebie will include a couple of free chapters to my book and some downloadable PDFs, like how I structure my morning and my evenings and things like that. So they just need to text the word BRAVE, BRAVE, B-R-A. AVE to the number 474747. And you just have to enter your email. So like we have your permission to send you this stuff. We don't spam you. We just love you. And you will get all kinds of uh, freebies and access to my book. So you can kind of test drive without buying a thing. But I think those are great resources for now. I really, truly am just so happy we reconnected in that 
I'm looking up to you as the leader of this and this new journey that I'm partaking in. So thank you so much. Oh my gosh. I received that and I'm I'm honored to take on that role. And you know what? I will be over here cheering you on all day long. So anything I can do to help, but what an honor to meet your tribe and just really great to be here. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and if you're feeling really generous, write me a review. And don't forget to join me next week for a new episode of Two Kids and a Career.